Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Barna Talks. This is a podcast where we catch up with senior HR and talent professionals from across the business world, hear about their trends and issues that they're working with and trying to capture some of their wisdom and expertise. I'm Debbie Flowers, co-founder and co-director at Barna HR Resourcing. And in this episode, I'll be chatting with Alice McDonald, who we introduced as Head of Talent Acquisition at GBC. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, Alistair. Hello. Thanks for joining us today. You and I got to know each other earlier on this year as I led the head of talent acquisition search for Graham at GBC for the maternity cover. And and in fact, I think you were actually one of our first hires that we did the whole virtual process of selection onboarding. But at that point, you'd landed back in the UK from being in Amsterdam, working for Nike with your wife and your young son. And I imagine not probably the welcome home you expected. That must have been really tough for you guys coming back at that point. It was an interesting moment. I actually returned home slightly before the lockdown started, but was was made redundant at the beginning of of the lockdown, having only just returned home from from Amsterdam. So it was a pretty scary time, to be honest. And I think first you start to panic. Where do you start looking for a job when there are no jobs? Look at LinkedIn and there are no jobs. You look at the other sources and there are no jobs. And when you've got a family to look after, it's pretty imperative that, that you get back into work because obviously you need to look after your family. But also, it may sound strange, but I actually really enjoy my job and I really enjoy working. So for mm-hmm. my own mental health, I need to get back into work. So it was it was a difficult moment. But I think what I learned, and it, it, it's nothing too magical and, and quite obvious, but was to take a deep breath and not panic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew I had good experience. I knew I had good brands on my CV. I knew I had a good network and I just had to work it. And then you had to put a plan in place. You can't treat your job search as an all-consuming piece. And, you know, what I learned is that we need to separate our job search from our home life. So I put a plan in place. I was able to enjoy my summer with my young son. I mean, who gets to spend four months with their one-year-old over the summer? So actually... What I learned is we need to look at things in a much more positive way, take a deep breath and and make a plan and enjoy what you've got rather than worry about what you haven't got. Yeah, and I think that's very wise. I think also the weather in that period helped us, didn't it? Carving out some time. And I think you're right, you know, taking it and separating it from your personal life. And I think we all tried to do that as suddenly we all morphed both of those things together. But before we talk about your role at GBC, let's mm. let's focus a little bit on your background because you've enjoyed working for some some great organisations and that's included both Nike and Amazon, two of the biggest brands in the world. I'd, I'd love to know what you felt they did well from a talent perspective and maybe the best bits that you took with you. They're both extraordinary businesses and I definitely feel a sense of privilege of having the opportunity to work for both of them. But I have to say, you couldn't find two more different cultures, that they really are at polar ends of the spectrum. If we start with Amazon, it means you know, where I started, and it felt like a career accelerator for me. And their focus on analytics was really nothing I'd seen before. And as a business that was largely run by software engineers, you really have to learn quickly how to use analytics and how to insert analytics into your conversations with leadership teams. Then they're advanced as a, as a talent acquisition function. So I came as a somebody with a largely recruitment agency background into an advanced function. I think I probably learned in 18 months there what I might learn in three years anywhere else. 
you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say it's a, it's a soft culture. It's not. It's tough and you have to work mm-hmm. hard, but you learn a lot. And it's definitely a business that will give to you what you give to it. It's a wonderful business. But then at the other end of the scale, you have Nike. Nike is a culturally, it's a business that's driven by relationships. And if I'm going to be really honest with myself, I think I probably struggled a bit when I first got there. People were less concerned with the spreadsheets that I kept producing and more concerned with developing some meaningful work relationships. And I had to, to adjust my style completely. But, but it has an energy, Nike, and it has a positivity, you know, and a buzz in the feeling in the offices. And uh, it really affects you as a person in a really good way. And their approach to, to leadership development is excellent too. You know, it has a real sports mentality, as you can probably imagine. That's mm. um, really talking about driving constant improvement and coaching your team and making sure that we recognize success. So from being this agency recruiter with limited in-house experience, working through Amazon and then Nike, I think I emerged probably as a talent leader, someone who's comfortable both with data, um, but also with, with building relationships. And it's given me a much more positive outlook on life. I have more energy, my leadership skills have developed, and I really see myself as a true coach, helping lead my team on a, on a journey. And, and I think that it's the best of both worlds that I've managed to combine into, into one place. I've been really lucky. Yeah, it's great. And it's, a, you know, makes for a rounded professional, doesn't it? Those, those two combinations. Definitely. Recall during our early conversation about GBC, you, you'd had very little experience of the gaming sector, but certainly shared its passion for all things sport as you came from Nike. Tell us about what your experience has been so far with GBC from a colleague perspective, I guess, and give us a, give people a bit of insight to the culture and the organisation. Yeah, I'll just take take it a step back. So I remember you talking to me about GVC and, you know, I wasn't 100% sure whether I wanted to work for the world's mm. biggest gambling company, I guess. It's a controversial sector. But I think what, what changed my mind was, was a couple of things. Right? It, it's GVC's attitude towards responsible gaming. And, and it was the culture. It's a funny business. It's a corporate business. It's 28,000 people. It's part of the FTSE 100. But it moves at the pace of a startup. Yeah, and it doesn't apologise for it either, but but it also has a, a sense of responsibility. We are a gambling business and the biggest, so you know get a lot of companies talking about doing the right thing, but there are companies that actually do the right thing, and we do. You know that the view of the business is to make sure that we don't take a single pound off someone if they can't afford it, and we you know we're about to go through a corporate rebrand that's taking us away from this gambling persona and making us an entertainment business. We are doing it for all the reasons of responsible gaming and doing the right thing by our customers and consumers. And you know, who doesn't want to work for a technology business that's involved in sport that's driving change in a, in a controversial industry to be more, more positive? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're rebranding to Entain, I think, aren't you, in December? Yes, December the 10th. Yeah. And, and leading the talent acquisition team in 2020 has been probably an, an experience that you might not forget. Not the easiest of years. Tell us about how, how it's been for you and the team. And, and if yeah. you can, what, what your priorities are now we push into 2021. Yeah, it, it's an interesting to to have interviews for a job over Zoom, to start yeah. a job from home. Although, ironically, having started a few jobs in my time, the only time IT's ever worked from day one is is this time. It, it was the time it needed to starting from home. Yeah. yeah, it was an interesting time to start. The team had been restructured slightly. Team largely moving into new roles. The, the role that I was coming in to do was a new role. So, in a sense, it was a blank piece of paper. 
but it was also a good time. So lots of people talk about the difficulties of uh, hiring during COVID. But actually, for me, it presented some real opportunities. The hiring volumes are lower. It just gave me a really good opportunity to understand the team. But the volumes meant that the team were pretty demotivated and they were worried about, I'm sure, their jobs and also unsure what their new roles meant to them. And adapting to the climate at that point as well. Yeah, definitely. But but the opportunity is not just a, in a talent acquisition world. It's not just about volume and about data and about putting bums on seats. It's how can we add a qualitative change to the work that we do? So we were able to put together some really good projects focusing on things like quality of hire, for example, which mm-hmm. we're about to launch, or looking at supporting the business You know, when they're looking particular talents and want to know where to hire it. We can produce some real insights into the marketplace. Or looking at our interview process and making sure that we make it as slick and as fast as possible, but without actually compromising any of the decisions we make around the talent that we're bringing in. Or how do we inject some more diversity thinking within our recruitment process? There was a lot of work to be done that that the team just didn't have the opportunity to do before. And if we can just get their heads thinking into that more project way, actually they feel, you know, they feel more motivated by it now because they feel like they're really bringing value to the whole of the team rather than just putting a bum on a seat. Yeah, and it's that strategic consultancy of kind of thought-provoking work sometimes you don't get a chance to do when you're running at a million miles an hour, isn't it? No, totally. And, and, you know, when I joined, the team was actually called resourcing. And, and that, for me, didn't feel like what we wanted to be doing. And, and so we changed mm-hmm. it to talent acquisition to really highlight that it is a strategic role. You know, we're not an internal recruitment agency. We're a strategic partner to the business. And I wanted to talk to you about tech, if I could, and, and how it's changed the world of our our resourcing and talent activities because it's been pretty transformational over the last few years and you know there's an increased dominance of AI there's lots of new tech innovations popping up all the time claiming to drive fairer and less biased interview selection or smarter hiring choices and and thank goodness for the I guess the tech in in allowing us to increase the capacity for virtual onboarding this year because that's certainly been utilized but you know there's so much out there and quite often when I'm hiring heads of talent acquisition clients are asking me for candidates to give them some insight to the best tools out there of the moment. I'd love to hear your views on on how you think maybe tech's made a positive and a negative impact in your experience in the function and to learn about any tech that you use that you'd recommend to others. Yeah, I'll quickly uh, I'll quickly address the negative because there's much more in terms of the positive. And the negative is there are thousands and thousands of businesses out there building tech that they say improves the talent acquisition function. And I probably get 20 or 30 business development approaches a day and it's difficult wow. and uh, as much as I would like to talk to all of them you simply can't no. um, so, so the negative is how do you pick who to talk to and, and it's difficult also because I love it, investigating tech it is a personal passion how can we use technology to improve the, the candidate experience or mm-hmm. to help us hire better talent or to help us do it quickly but we also need to be mindful about tech as well because it can be seen by the team as well are are you replacing my job will I be needed anymore if we keep introducing tech you know I came here to introduce some tech and to develop things but before I did that we had to talk to the team to explain what the tech meant to them and why it didn't mean that they were going to be losing their jobs but what it meant was how we're going to help them do their jobs better so so we did that and yeah we've introduced a few things we've just signed up Textio to help us with our diversity, to make sure that we're communicating through our job descriptions, through our employer brands, in the right way to the right audiences. Also came across a lovely little tool called Pocket Recruiter. That is an AI tool, so Pocket Recruiter will 
help stack rank your applicants for your jobs, but also go out there and proactively search candidates for you and add them to your pipeline and stack rank them in, in terms of who they recommend you talk to. And it's one of those tools that learns over time so it won't be particularly good to start with but we'll learn and and then other little tools like Calendly to help book interviews you know it's an enormous amount of time people waste booking interviews when they could be recruiting so there's a tool out there that can do it for them and, and then I think that the one that, that's been the most transformational for us is uh, a little tool from Gartner called Talent Neuron that gives you insights into supply and demand and cost of talent into markets and really helps you manage expectations with hiring managers as to how easy or difficult it might be to hire. It helps you have conversations around salary. It helps you make decisions on actually should that role be based there because there isn't any talent. Are there other countries that we can base this position in where the availability of talent is better? So there, yeah. there's plenty of tools we brought in. It's been pretty expensive, but we saved money along the way. You know, we talked about analytics earlier from Amazon, and I've used that analytics to cancel a few tools that weren't mm-hmm. giving us the ROI. Some tools we haven't cancelled, but we've removed the so-called added value pieces, which are generating more revenue for those businesses, but not really adding the value that, that we expected them to. So ultimately, all the tools have been introduced, but we've actually saved money. And I'm, and I'm assuming it's quite, quite easy to track the ROI, you know, relatively quickly. On most things, yes, it is. Uh, Absolutely. I think uh, we're still working out how we're going to track the ROI on Textio. It's not necessarily about the pounds that it saves. It's about doing the right thing. I need to find a way to measure that, and we will work on that. You know, it is a very measurable function, talent acquisition. And I know you're all very passionate about candidate experience, as am I, and, and, and also, you, you know, we share that with Graham at, at GBC. And again, there's a lot of tech out there now that can be used as kind of wraparounds to, to that process and chatbots and, you know, mixed up with traditional methods. What, what approach do you ensure that, that candidates have a positive experience, whether they're successful or not, in their application journey at GBC? Is some of, some of that tech tool stuff does that come into play yeah, it will do so those are the conversations we're having at the moment how can we use chatbots for example to communicate with our candidate pool whether it's someone that's applied who hasn't who hasn't applied yet because the thing is the, the worst piece for me is lack of communication and nobody minds really if it takes a little bit longer than they're expecting as long as you're communicating that and, and ideally communicating why that's happening mm-hmm. it's the ghosting that some people use at the moment that, absolutely that, that's the yeah. worst thing of all you know i went through that job process in the summer and i was astonished at the number of people that ghosted me on my job applications and i definitely don't ever want that happening here so we can use chatbots for example to for candidates to talk to to ask what's happening with their job application so it can be they can get a reply automatic from the chatbot so things like that we we are investigating chatbots but in the meantime we are using our mps scores to look at where their pitfalls are to see where our quick fixes can be so one of those for example is we are rewriting all of the content that we have on our applicant tracking system that we use to reject candidates for example or move them to the next stage because Mm -hmm. we found they you know from feedback on the NPS they weren't sending the right message it didn't feel very GVC it it needs Mm -hmm. to be more friendly and a softer touch so so we're, we're rewriting that content but yeah technology hasn't got to us yet or I haven't managed to get to the technology for that yet but watch this space that'll be coming. And I think I I would absolutely agree with you on the communication and engagement because, you know, we're a small boutique and this year we've had a lot of 
great people that have approached us for for help and we don't always have the volume of searches particularly this year that that can always help them but what we try to do is always communicate and sometimes that takes a little bit longer than other periods when you're in the middle of a pandemic you know even if it's a decline or we can't take them forward or, or for whatever reason we'll always try and ensure that there's some form of communication. Yeah, it's interesting. There are companies now that have a policy of not giving feedback, which is a very difficult pill to swallow sometimes. And the reason it's there, rightly or wrongly, is because in the US, it's it's, it's a relatively litigious society. And if you have one word out of place, then that individual can hold you to account for that word and, and sue you. And so it's it's how do you make sure that the, the people that are genuinely interested in their feedback do get their feedback and do get it in a right way. It's a big problem to figure out. I mean, I don't even believe in the word rejection. This is going to sound try it but I don't think we should ever reject someone we're just coaching them to help them understand what they need to do in order to get that job if they've interviewed we know they're there or thereabouts if they didn't get the job how can we coach them to help them understand how they might get that job in the future and talent gaps you know we'll, we'll always have them Earlier this year, I was reading something that the Oxford Economics Group had put out on the talent mismatch, as they called it, where scarce talent is most needed is not where it's always most available. As a global employer, what do you see as your hotspot talent challenges ahead at um, GVC? Uh, I think probably like most companies, tech and analytics. So tech, we hire in our hub in Hyderabad, and that is growing massively but so is everybody that's got a hub in Hyderabad or Bangalore or Mumbai etc and we're competing for the same talent that there is a large mismatch in salaries that are available and there's no consistency in in the interview processes it, it, it's a real war for talent in India right now a real war and so yes there are lots and lots of people but there are also lots and lots of companies and lots and lots of jobs it's uh, mm-hmm. it's quite extraordinary so that's that's a challenge how do we ensure that we stand out in the crowd when you're competing against the likes of you know Amazon and Google for example mm-hmm. and, and it's uh, it's not easy like most companies there's a much stronger focus on analytics and there is a definite shortage of analytical talent particularly in Europe you know if you want to look at the global map for analytic talent that there's a lot mm-hmm. in South America but of course who has an office in South America and you can't import 200 people to come and fill your analytics team no. uh, yeah. just, you know the cost is so yeah it's how do we ensure that we are getting the best possible talent into our analytics function but some of that comes through really working hard to find that talent and some of that is looking at bottom up so how do we grow people into that function yeah. rather than relying on external talent to fill that hole I was just going to say that, how how much can we start to look more broadly from an early careers perspective at growing that talent? You know, how feasible is that? Yeah, we, we definitely can. So it's uh, something we're investigating right now. And, and, you know, how do we work with the universities that mm-hmm. have a good output of people with, you know, mathematics, for example? What we're not going to do is, is is necessarily do the obvious route of going to Cambridge and Oxford, although I'm sure we probably would. Basically, we need to make sure that we are fair and diverse in the universities mm-hmm. that we look at. And I think mm-hmm. if we're only looking at the same universities, we're only going to hire the same people. How do we ensure we're being inclusive? So we need to look at broader talent pools. So for job seekers, it's been a really tough year. And we, we started mm. the conversation on know how you got through in terms of trying to separate your job search from from your personal life and 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 still have happy home life alongside 
it's been really tough for a lot of people this year with the impact of the pandemic. As a, as a head of resourcing, what would be your top tips for job speakers to, to stay motivated? Because there's been a lot on LinkedIn lately, hasn't there? And out in social media of people feeling quite flat. And I know you said you don't believe in the word rejected there, but I think some of them are feeling a little bit like that. Yeah, I understand that. But the, I think the rejection comes from a lack of communication uh, or bad communication. You know, definitely make a plan. So structure your day and treat your job search like it is your day job. And you need to try and separate your job search from your personal life. You need to clear your head from that job search. You know, you need to refresh, you need to leave your laptop and your job search behind at some stage. So you need a plan and you need to treat it like your day job. And also get out and get exercise. You know, I found the long walks with my dog were really great for losing myself for an hour or two. It can be quite stressful and not having a job or not knowing where the next leaders come from. So get out and clear your head. You know, for me, just walking the dog in a forest or fields was was amazing. And to be honest, I think my dog has never been so fit as it was this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the dogs have been pretty happy this year. There are a whole nation of fit dogs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think on that note, finally, I'd like to ask you about relaxation because learning how to relax is now more important than ever. I've I've not always been very good at that. But um, the Varna Talks idea came also from actually learning to love Spotify podcast library. So I love a bit of cooking at home and I quite like listening to a, a podcast when my teenagers haven't hijacked my Spotify. And actually quite often my podcasts revolve around food and cooking. But what I've learned is that really relaxes me. If I'm cooking, I've got a little podcast on, sometimes glass of wine also helps. What helps you relax? How have you relaxed during, your, during this year when you, when you haven't had the little one around? I'm not sure I have. I think, uh, to be honest, because it's, I mean, I find the little one relaxing because he makes you happy. You know, it doesn't matter how cranky he is a particular day. There's always a moment where he looks at you with that smile that would melt your heart and it doesn't matter what he's done that day. So, so that helps. For me, it's just separation between work and, and home. And once I step away from the laptop, I can sit down with my wife and I can sit down with my child and, and treat it as a totally separate thing. And, and maybe I'm quite fortunate that I can put my little job search in a box and hide it away for an evening mm. and, and a morning. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, listen, that probably brings us to a close and just leaves me to say a huge thank you for joining us because I know work is pretty hectic right now. So I really appreciate your time. And thank you for uh, helping me find my job at GVC. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Alistair. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Varna HR podcast today. And if you'd like to hear more from us, please follow us on LinkedIn or visit the Varna Talks page on our website at varnahrresourcing.co.uk.